Hello, welcome back to Silent and the Death Machine Season 2. I don't know if Mark's been putting seasons down on the audio podcasts. I'll, I'll put it as a season. I mean, sure, why not? I, I don't we can do Season that. 2, Episode 1. Yeah, why not? It's Season 2, Episode 1. We had a couple of weeks off because obviously it was a holiday season. Mark was very busy. I was not because I'm a lonely, miserable whore. So I'm going to continue to be miserable and I'm sure Silent Mark is happy and raring to go. Um... I'm so, very tired. I'm the deaf machine and he's silent. So uh thanks for coming. Fuck off. <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. That'll do. Well, good news that you're tired, sir. Because by the time this is done, you'll be able to go to bed at a ridiculously reasonable hour. So Yeah, I know. Mm. Early's always good. How was Early's your Christmas? Always good. And New Year. Mm. <clears throat> I'm busy. Busy. I had the kids over Christmas. Did they have a good that time? Was loud. Um, and then New Year was quiet. I went to a mate's house. We played board games. What board games did you play? Uh, we played the Alien board game. That sounds fun. There's nothing, yeah, it, is, it was a really cool game. Based on the films, yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then there was... I don't know what they're called, but one of them was like a resource management game um, for the, uh, like in the Industrial Revolution. And then one of them was a like plant game where you had to have plants and put it in rooms where they would grow properly and really, really good. Interesting. And then we yeah. also played one that I enjoy, um, which is one of mine. Neil Patrick that like you didn't enjoy all the ones before. Oh, no, I did. I did. We also so, played one that I liked. <laughs> um, Neil, no, it was one I brought to them. Neil Patrick Harris um, did uh, has done a couple of things with a company called Theory Eleven. Uh, he's done a pack of playing cards. He did a like escape room style box for one person, Very and he cool. also made this board game um, called A Maze, which is basically just it's a normal standard roll the dice board game. We have to get to the end, but every square you have to solve a um, a puzzle basically. And it's properly nerdy, but right up my street. Right up your strata. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Marvellous. Well and truly. Marvellous. What about you? How was yours? I did, I did fuck all, as you know. Um, <laughs> I went to see my sisters on Christmas Day, which is nice. They're Muslim, so obviously they could not give a shite about the birth mm-hmm. of Christ. Which is good news for me, because neither could I. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I imagine Christmas for you is about other people. Christmas for me is nothing at this point. I'm like, cool. Um, you know, when I did that solo podcast a few weeks back, I spoke about truly being on your own at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone's truly on their own uh, if they don't want to be, if they at least have somebody in their lives. There's obviously a lot of older people who struggle. Like, you know, it's it's such a weird day. Like, um, it was fun. Like, I went to see my little sister and i'm i'm like estranged from my dad i haven't spoken to him for 30 years and <clears throat> so my sister when i got there was like do you want christmas dinner i was like sure why not um she was like i know you don't want to come indoors and see dad so i'll i'll get you christmas dinner in a couple of software boxes and we'll just go and eat it down the park the weirdest fucking scenario when you're sat opposite a 15 year old eating christmas dinner in a park on christmas day strange um but it's also the first I realized, like, while I was eating, this is the first dinner 
that my dad made me technically in like 32 years or something ridiculous mm. like that. And I'm sitting here eating it and on a park bench. And you just watch the world go by and you realize that Christmas just it's just a thing happens every year. And you realize as you get older, at least from my perspective, that I just don't give a fuck anymore, really. I've got a tree up in my house other than that. I don't care. Um, only three days left and I'll take the fucking down. Whatever. Um, Mine's already down. To be honest, I always get that weird kind of zen feeling when I take all my Christmas decorations down. Oh, there's room in here again because I live in a one-bedroom house. So, you know, it's... Um, but yeah, no, it's it was all right. I didn't really do much. And then New Year's was even more um, quiet. Me and my mate Danny just played FIFA online and that was it. Uh, and then I just basically sat there and played Assassin's Creed. I'm still currently working my way through all the Assassin's Creed games. I'm on Rogue now, which is, uh, I thought was shit. And then about an hour in, I was like, this is actually not that bad. And now I'm sort of, you know, it's really growing on me as all Assassin's Creed games do. I can't do them. I've tried my best. I cannot do them. They require, one thing I have realized is they require a lot of spare time. Mm. So if you're one of these people who wants to, like with FIFA, you can pick it up, you can play a game, and you can put it down. With Assassin's Creed, you can't do that. You need to dedicate two, three, four hours at a time, really, to get a sense of fun and, you know, adventure out of it. And that's probably another reason why certain people struggle with it. Whereas me, I've got obviously a lot of disposable time, despite how good my work ethic has become. Um, you know, I still have hour upon hour to play these games, which is why I'm working my way through them. And it's also that thing of like, I've, over the last 10 years or so, I've probably bought about three or 400 games mm-hmm. for the Xbox. And now they're all available to me. And I've only played like about 1% of them. So I'm just trying to brash through as many as possible and just oh, try yeah. and fill the time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoy it. I like the lore. I like history. And I really like this idea of like a deep state uh, sort of... Mm plot that goes through it as well this idea that like templars and assassins are still fighting each other in the modern day um like in assassin's creed rogue there's an amazing mission where you have to escape lisbon uh mm-hmm. as the earthquake hits and it's actually based on the real life earthquake from 1755 which wiped out like they reckon somewhere around fifty thousand people died it's crazy to think portugal lisbon would have an earthquake now but it did back then and it's very clever how they blend it like in the story, you cause it accidentally by grabbing an artifact that you shouldn't do. And that kind of kills innocent people. And that's what turns you against the Assassin's Creed. And, you know, it's, it's quite clever. You know, it's, it's fun storytelling. See, that's the thing. I love the idea of that type of stuff. But the gameplay for me is just dull. What it, The game relies on people who enjoy a... <clears throat> so the game itself can be fun depending on how you want to play it. One thing I like about it is it's very open-ended. So yes. you can approach it however you want to. You can assassinate someone from the air or you can just flat your guns and start massacring people, whatever. And I'm sure that gets even more interesting as you get into more modern eras. But that thing of, oh, um, the game very much, rely- like Fallout, it relies on you wanting to explore. And if you're one of these people who's like, I just want to be linear and get through the story in there, it's not as much fun. It's just not. Yes. Um, you know, you need to kind of get lost in it. And mm-hmm. that's not, you know, again, that comes down to time as well. Like, and it depends on the depth of the game. One thing I will say is once you get out of the cities, there's not a great deal going on. It's just, here's another bush. Here's another rock. Here's another garden. 
then you start tuning it out a little bit. And that's when it requires you to sort of be like, right, I need to get every chest unlocked. I need to find all the little bits and that. And a lot of the side quests are well hidden. So if you don't pay attention to them, you might miss them entirely. But um, I like it. You know, it's not for everyone. Obviously, yeah. games are subjective, like everything in our lives. And, you know, I, I mean, I've, I'm what, six games, six or seven games in the franchise now. Mm. I can imagine for a lot of people, they must have tuned it out because there's so many of them now. And, you know, at some point you got to think, are you going to get to the fucking point? I started quite a few of them. But again, they didn't grab me. I'm someone who loves a story in a game. So a game like Bioshock, for example, for me, blew me away. Because, yeah, very, very linear. You can only go from A to B. There's a bit of exploring. There's a bit of way to get lost. But there's only from A to B. But the story fucking grabbed me. It's a reason I don't like the new, um, like, kind of Call of Duty games. Because there's not much story to it. It's still just go and shoot some brown people. And that's pretty much it. That is the story. Unless they go for Russians at some point. Um, But with Assassin's Creed, the story would get me. But if it wasn't for the Lord of the Rings in the middle of it, that whole thing of just fucking you have to walk from one place to another, doing fuck all. That's why you hate Lord of Rings, isn't it? Because of all the walking. Yeah, it's just fucking bullshit. Um, but no, the Lord of the Rings video games? No, I haven't. They were really good because they were at a time... So they the main cash-in of Lord of the Rings games was during a time when we didn't have these huge, expansive consoles. So it was mm-hmm. mostly restricted to PS2, that kind of region. And so what they did is just slap all the fights and the set pieces into games. <clears throat> and that's basically all you did was get involved in all the big set, you know, assault on the castle or the two towers or whatever, or Mordor or whatever it might be. And so for a lot of people, like for you, I imagine you probably play that and think, God, I wish the film was like this. Yeah. Just fucking nonstop in your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. It's not always just that. Weirdly, what I've been playing lately will genuinely make you laugh. Firstly, um, High on Life, which is Justin yes. Roiland's new yeah. new game. Yeah, I've played a few really missions. enjoying that. Fucking, that is just, that is like the Deadpool of video games, where they're like, we're not going to take this seriously at all. Yeah. We are going to take the absolute everlasting piss out of everything, and that's why I'm it works. pretty sure, I think, no, the last playthrough I started doing of it, so last time I started playing it, um, I just watched the Denise Richards film for a good half an hour. Oh, yeah, because they're on TV, aren't they? And the bounty yeah. hunter, the fat bounty hunter with no legs is just randomly sat there watching 80s films and you can yeah. watch the whole film. You can watch the whole fucking thing. It's amazing. Um, but the other thing I've been playing is Power Wash Simulator. Another one a lot of my mates have been playing because it's that relaxing thing. It's so fucking... I, sh- I shove a podcast on and I zone out and basically do kind of the opposite of colouring in. That's all it is. It's just. That's why I play things like um. I I really like uh lawnmower simulator and people are like are mm. you mad and I'm like yeah but it's just that it's that thing like I you know, I get my phone down put Jim Cornette on because I need to catch up with all my Jim Cornette podcasts and I just I'm not even paying attention to what I'm doing but I'm just slowly trimming the lock. Yes. No. Exactly. So it's so fucking relaxing. Yeah, but it's so easy. It's easy to play as well. Mm. You can pick it up and put it down with relative ease as well. And 
Yeah. You know, we're, we're all very fickle, aren't we? We've all got much shorter attention spans. Even the most intense thinking of us, we still want, you know, things here and now. So mm. games like that are very accessible. I really like Farm Simulator and people are like, what? And it's like, yeah, but I was brought up on a farm. Um, I'm really fascinated by the economical style, like this idea that you've got to, like it actually teaches you a lot about mm. the process of farming and you realize holy shit yeah. these cunts work insanely hard mm -hmm. to provide us with bread essentially um and corn yeah. it's, yeah, it's a fucking mad. it's a big game for something that could be counted as boring it's a huge game yeah there's a lot of games like that and they seem to have found a real i think it's the relativity as well like there's train simulator and bus simulator and mm -hmm. I don't really enjoy them as much, but I can understand why you'd like playing it, especially when the graphics are at such a high end. Yeah. There's something really cool about, oh, I'll just, I don't know, I'll just drive my bus through the city of Paris, whatever. It all started then, with, with fucking Flight Simulator. I remember playing that back in the 90s, and it was still, even when the graphics weren't that good, it was still fascinating. Have you, you played the latest not... one? No. That's insane because they've recreated pretty much everything in the world. Mm. They, I don't know how they've been able to do this. And so, you you know, like I thought, fuck it, I'll fly to the homeland for a giggle. So I went to Cairo and you think, okay, it's not going to... And it's so densely populated. All the buildings are there, the pyramids are there, the Sphinx is there, the whole lot. And you just like, they've rendered that whole thing in 3D in glorious 4K. Mm. You think, fucking the time that must have been spent. And all you're doing is fly, obviously, the first thing that anyone does, and they don't lie to me, is everyone tries to crash it into a building. <laughs> that's what everyone does. I think that's just your lot, mate. Your lot. <laughs> yeah, we're literally like, all right, let's recreate our favourite days of the world, like 9-11. <laughs> um, no, it's, it, it is true. It is true. You do try and do something utterly awful. Well, it's like GTA, isn't it? When people got, when planes and things first became accessible, they were mm. like, oh, what happens if I fly into a building? It's like, you've, we're all cunts. We're all yeah, dark yeah. by nature. It's just whether we choose to do it in real life or not. Yeah. And that's what video games do. They give you an opportunity to exercise these things you would never dream of doing in real life, like shooting mm -hmm. people in the face. And that's yeah. why they have such a massive appeal, especially something like GTA. Mm. It's, yeah, games like that really... Like Forza Horizon 4, I think it was, that was set around the British Isles. Yes. I was playing that one day, and all of a sudden, I'm in Ambleside, which is literally just up the road from me. And it's so well recre uh, recreated. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. You can drive through Edinburgh, and you're like, oh, shit, this is literally Edinburgh. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Edinburgh, and I remember I was with my ex at the time. And I was driving around going, look, this is where we went to the, this is the way to the stand. This is the way to Gold Mile and was able to kind of show people around where I hang out when I'm up there. Beautifully done. Fucking love it. Relatability, isn't it? You know, oh. like being able to say, well, I've been, and I think that's why Assassin's Creed strikes for me because I have traveled a lot of Europe. So when I'm going through Rome or, you know, Mm -hmm. Lawrence, where I'm like, I've fucking been there. Like, it's, it's just random. Like, it's like, oh, I just murdered someone outside a museum that I've actually visited. And it's just strange like that. But you do kind of get it's it's a comfort, I think, is what it mm -hmm. is for a lot of people. It's that thing of it reminds them it's nostalgia, isn't it? It's the reason that 
we love going back and playing old video games because even though those old games don't necessarily hold up now with everything we've been spoiled by you have the memories associated with it as a kid i remember playing goldeneye for instance with all my mates at school we come home and we played like four or five hours of just solid goldeneye and i can play it now and i'm like this game isn't actually very good to look at not by today's standards at least but I always remember being odd job and being shorter than everyone and slapping everybody on the knees like a cunt and, you know, just being an arsehole. And you get the the nostalgic factor. Nostalgia becomes a real drug as you get older, I've noticed. Oh, hell yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, while we go back to programs and shit. So what are your favourite go-to games then? I mean, right now, the only things I'm really playing are FIFA when Danny's online, because FIFA's one of those things that's always been in my life. I would mm. always play it online. I remember when I was a little kid, my mate had Italian 90, for instance, and we played Italian 90 on the SNES, which is crazy when you think about it now. And it's never left. And nowadays, you could play as your own player and... Me and my mate Danny are very into the intricacies of football. We find things like numbers and tactical, you know, the tactical nature of football very interesting. So for us, we get a lot of excitement out of crafting a beautiful goal while you're beating somebody, a living player online. We'll be playing teams of players, just me and him. Um, so that's probably one, but that's only if he's online. I won't play it by myself. I'm like, it's fucking boring. Find it dull. I won't play it by itself. Like the appeal is playing other people online because it's that competitive edge. And that's what makes mm -hmm. sports so compelling. Because if there was no competition in sports, I don't think anyone would give a shit about it. Uh, you play the famous line from an American football head coach was, you play to win the game. <laughs> and that's what you do. Um, Assassin's Creed, obviously. Uh, Mass Effect, I worked my way through that religiously. I've played all four games inside out. I've played number two like eight or nine times. I'd argue it's probably my favorite game of all time. Mm. Um, I like that game because that's a game where you can truly get lost and they have gone to an extraordinary length to create depth uh, within these things. But then I also like little, like we play golf, uh, golf with my friends, which is on Xbox Game Pass. Yes. <clears throat> and it's just it's just mini golf but it's fucking hilarious and it's also that thing of like fuck you you will not beat my score like, mm -hmm. again the competition the edge the banter that comes with it um multiplayer is amazing i remember when i was a kid i had a 14 inch color television and we would play perfect dark and golden eye on this stupid little box built into my crappy little fucking wardrobe and you'd have like five people squeezed into a tiny little cupboard size room. Whereas now it's mm -hmm. like, I'll just put my headset on and talk to the entire world. What the fuck? Like, that would have blown my mind when I was 14. I could yeah, not. I, could not. I was properly nerdy when I was younger. Properly nerdy. I went to a LAN party. Oh, amazing. Love that. So I took my physical computer, big fucking bastard, ran to a mate's house he hooked me up with a monitor and like eight or nine of us were just there with our own computers in a fucking boiling room playing like unreal tournament yeah unreal quake doom mm -hmm. amazing games i remember at school we had double technology on a thursday afternoon <clears throat> and it used to be like i was quite bad at school to the point where i started basically skiving off like crazy i would just not turn up for so many fucking classes um she probably all failed on my gcses but i remember somebody hacked into the intranet and worked it out so that we could all play quake online and of course because it was double session our teacher didn't give a fuck so he'd leave and we'd end up playing so that was like games night or my first real exposure to a games night 
where we all had the LAN and we'd all be playing on this tiny little intranet and we'd all be slapping each other up and shooting each other on Quake and having a good lot. And then there'd always be somebody who would essentially play point guard and let us know if a teacher was coming back and there was mm-hmm. always a code. He'd shout it and everyone was just like, quick, turn it off. <laughs> so, you know, oh, yeah, I'll definitely look at circuit boards. Definitely. I'm not shooting people and trying to get a massive kill death race. <laughs> so, we had the same. We had a, um, a library full of computers and we used to go in there and someone had worked out how to share Unreal Tournament with everyone. But you could change the last three um, characters. So instead of saying dot exe, you could have it as dot doc, and it would just come up as a word document. So when everyone when anyone looked at your drive, there was just documents there. But everyone could fucking play this thing, and we had exactly the same. You used to try and get the computers towards the towards the door because the door was there knock that um yeah the the door was there so you'd get the the computers there in the corner so the window couldn't see you but also the the door the people through coming through the door couldn't see you either and you used to have someone that was playing watch it was fucking amazing it's like the only good memories i have of school like uh, i just i hated school didn't have many friends but the one time that Everyone kind of calmed down and wasn't bullying because back in our day of going to school, bullying was just a normal thing. You know, you got beaten up a lot, and it wasn't like nowadays where everyone's super woke and that. I'm sure it's still a thing. It's just you know, it's more converted from physical bullying to you know verbal abuse and social media and stuff like that. Sadly, which is in some ways a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I just I remember it being like that that break from the monotony and the misery of abject abuse and bullying and physical assault essentially every lunchtime i was getting the shit kicked out of me so that was kind of like my break from it and that's where video games became such a big thing and i never let go of that and i was one of those kids who everyone else had like a playstation 2 i had an n64 because that was all my family could afford they had a second hand mm-hmm. n64 and that was i remember working so hard to pay for my first ever console and that was a sega master system 2 with alex the miracle kid mm-hmm. and shinobi one um fucking yeah. like just you know hysterically old school 8-bit games mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, i always look to my friends in awe like fuck you you have tomb raider on the playstation one and i have to play alex the kid which has no save so you have to fucking play it all the way through. And when you get again, to like level again, 16 again, and yeah. die in the lava, you're like, fuck this game. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I used to, so my family were always like, well, we'd never had much money. So we were always like two systems behind. When everyone got their first PlayStations, I think I got a, uh, um, a Super Nintendo, I think it was. But yeah, so everyone was getting that and I just had the Super Nintendo. I was fucking happy with it. I don't even go back to those games now, and I'm like, yeah, this is still fun to play. This is why I still love arcades, because mm. when I was a little kid... So the one thing we used to do, even though we were quite poor, was like people will find this amazing, but you could like jump on a boat and go to France for like 10, 20 quid, and yeah. you would just go over there and buy a shit ton of cheap booze and come back, and that was literally all anyone used to do. So we used to go over there, we go to the hypermarkets, they call them a hypermarché, <laughs> and I'd always have... They had this like like lovely in Cherbourg they would sell um you know what the French like they love their pastries 
and you go to this giant supermarket and you would buy like a, a croissant with ham and cheese, which blew my mind as a kid. I was like, what? Ham and cheese? And yeah. I said, outrageous. What are they, was, Welsh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, that is crazy good shit. And so I'd have one of those. Um, my stepdad would buy like two crates of fucking, I, I don't know, Export 33 or whatever it's called, the little stubbies. Mm-hmm. You buy a bottle of Malibu for about five quid. Not a chance now. Um, and then because the ferry rides would take so long he would just go and read the newspaper or whatever and he would give me like five pounds in cash and back then that would get you a a long way and i would just play street fighter on the you know the the big old fucking units on the arcades that they had in every single one of these ferries um the original mortal Kombat cabinets and things like that and that's like one of my very, very first memories of video games. And nowadays you can buy a fucking video cabinet for your own house for like 150 quid if you want. And it's just like, I mean, I Could wouldn't. You? I was going to say, that's about two grand, I think. I mean, you can get them quite cheap now. Like you can get like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ones, Mortal Kombat cabinets. And yeah, they're about 150, 200 pound a pot, which is great oh. if you've got kids, I suppose. Um, I do not have the room in my house for that shit. No, like they're, they're still pretty meaty. Uh, you can get MIDI ones now as well, like mini Pac-Man cabinets and mm. things like that. I always loved the Pac-Man tables that you used to get in pubs, the digital yep. ones. That, and that was like, I always thought, oh, you know, if I've had a big enough house, I would definitely have one of those in the front room as a coffee zone. Mm-hmm. That would just be amazing. Um, but yeah, no, when I think about it, the more I talk about it, video games has, you know, ostensibly shaped my life. I remember the wrestling games. They brought... And that was the first time when I realized I don't just like watching wrestling. I want to be in wrestling because mm. you play NWO World Tour, WCW NWO World Tour from like 96 on the N64. And it's like, here comes Polygon Booker T and DDP. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to throw you out of the rumble while I slowly punch people and stupid shit like that. And yeah, no, it's a real, you know, it's a really endearing memory. Like I never remember thinking, this was awful. And you can probably go back and play them now. I think mean, this isn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> because we're spoiled. You know, we become graphics snobs. Like my ex is like that, you know, whenever she plays things. Um, you know, she'll be like, Yeah, no, this is this isn't very good. I like playing the new Tomb Raiders because they have super high def 4K graphics. Because she's probably she's a little bit younger than me, and she probably just doesn't have the same memories I do of all these. You know, she came just after that eight bit generation, whereas me, I was right in the middle of that, mm-hmm. um, where games were about gameplay. Uh, yeah. You know, the Back to the Future games and stuff like that. I had a Game Boy, a proper old one. I used to play like FIFA '98 World Cup on it, mm-hmm. and it was just that one I had on the PlayStation. No, not on the PlayStation, on the uh, Super Nintendo. I remember having FIFA 99 on the N64 and the novelty of being able to dive. <laughs> this concept of like, oh, you can cheat. <laughs> the first time they throw it in that I remember. <clears throat> it. But then I also, I, the one thing that has stood up to me is that arcade style of football. I can still play that and enjoy that. Like Sensible mm. Soccer and ISS Pro and the original Pro Evolution things like that, those games, because I went to university and that's all we would do is smoke weed, eat Burger King and play FIFA 08. And then marvel at Lucas Podolski scoring a fucking hat-trick of overhead kicks from 40 yards. Um, I don't know. Okay, I used to love shit like that. Just being able to stand there by the box and know for a fact that when he kicks that ball out of his hands, you're getting it and shoving it in the net. 
Yeah, Actual Soccer 2 on one of my original PCs. Relic of a PC with where most games were still being played off a floppy disk. And I remember the first time CDs were introduced. Actual Soccer 2 was, a, was just an absolute joke of a game. Because mm. you would literally kick off, you would go diagonally down and hold down shoot, and he would always score from 45 yards every mm. time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> games were broken, Fucking but they age. were so much fun. And your mates would just be so triggered by this idea of you scoring from a halfway line every time. But... I just, I loved it. I still do now. And it's, I'm amazed at how much it's carried over. A lot of people say, oh, you grow out of that. I haven't grown out of that. I can still see, I reckon I'll still be playing video games when I'm 60. When I was at Royal Mail, we had a, uh, one of my mates, Mike, he was in his sort of early 60s. He was close to retirement. And I was like, what, mid 20s? And he would still play PC games every single mm-hmm. night. <laughs> his wife was just like, you know, I'm going to go and read a book. You do whatever you want to do. And he was still young at heart. And we used to affectionately call him granddad because he was older than everyone else. And he would come into work and we'd spend an hour talking about Mass Effect. And this this joy of like, oh, I'm 24 years old and I'm sat next to someone who's 63, 64 years old talking about how Garrus has affected the storyline of Mass mm-hmm. Effect 2. That's beautiful. It's yeah, not enough it, of that anymore. It's something I love doing with the kids. So I got my kids into video games as well. My daughter, not as much as my son, but knowing that on a Saturday afternoon, they will turn around and go, Dad, can we play Minecraft with you? Or can we play Mario Kart? Or can we play Super Mario? And do it as a three. Oh, I used to love Mario Kart on the N64. <sighs> and if you died great. in multiplayer, you turn into a bomb and chase yeah. your mates around and try and blow them up. And they're like, fuck off. And the just the irony of everyone's only Arab friend deliberately turning into a bomb and chasing him around. I was like, oh shit, that's fucking foreshadowing if I've it's, ever seen it. It's, <laughs> it's fucking wonderful. So my son Felix, he's he's cleverer than he should be. So he will. He already reads quite well. Like I could probably give him a ter- Terry Pratchett book, and he'd understand some of it. He's that, you know, bright. But I remember I was with my ex, and I went. We were in bed, and it was about six in the morning. And weirdly, my PlayStation is louder than my actually my actual TV. So you turn the PlayStation on, and unless you turn the sound down it's going to be fucking blasting we're in bed all of a sudden we just hear Sega I'm like what the fuck's going on I go downstairs and there's Felix just sat under a blanket he's three and he's just started playing That's amazing. Sonic Mania didn't know what the fuck he was doing but he just loved playing it and he's kind of gone on since then he kind of gets Portal. Like, he kind of understands... He understands the concept behind it, the puzzle skills. He's not quite up to it yet. But he gets that if you put a one there and one there, you go through, and that's how you get to the other side. And he's fucking... He loves it. Absolutely adores it. But having that connection with him, with video games, I'm like, yes. My parents never had that with me. No, my parents did not get that at all because they had no, their idea of technology was the phone, (laughs) you know, the the corded telephone. (laughs) They didn't, 
They didn't have a console, even PCs. For them, PCs were solely an office piece of equipment where you would type very elongated, long-winded documents. That was all they kind of had in terms mm. of technology. You know, my parents were older as well. They had me at a much later age. So, you know, they're in their 80s now. And, well, my mum is. Uh, my dad's a little bit young. He's sort of late 60s. But, you know, they, they didn't have anything like that. They just... They just watched TV or read the mm. newspaper. Whereas, you know, I sort of I remember going around my mate Alan's when I was like seven or eight, and he had Pong. I was like, "What the fuck <clears throat> is that? What is going on?" My mind was blown by the concept. Uh, you can make Pong in like five minutes on your computer. Mm. You can make it for yourself, doddle, so mm. easy. Like people, that's the other thing that's amazing is like there's this thing called Unity where you can download mm -hmm. it to a, and it runs on my laptop, for instance, and I can make a fully fledged 3D video game on my laptop if mm -hmm. I chose to do so. I'd very much like to do so. I'd love to make like the wrestle plug of the game, which is like I'd kind of like to make like the old e-feds where you run your own promotions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There's uh, that seems to be making a comeback. I've seen that on Twitter quite a lot. There's a sort of more mainstream company and it's looking to do that. That been in contact with a lot of my friends about getting them in the game and stuff like that. And I've got in touch with them to ask them if I can be in it. I haven't heard back. <laughs> they, I mean, they sent me a message and said, "What would you like to be in? Like, what would you like to be represented as? Do you want to be a wrestler? Do you want to?" And I was like, oh, "I'll be a commentator if you got space for a commentator. That'd be great." Um, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy, completely for free, to lend my voice to it if you wanted to. Like, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd, stuff like that excites me no end. Yes. One of my big dreams left in life, not just wrestling, is um you know lending my voice I, I i play so many video games there's so many times my friends say to me you're good at impressions you've got a good voice for talking your voice really kind of you know it's got a a very kind of bassy tone to it you know i'd love mm -hmm. to do audio books i'd love to do voiceovers for cartoons things like that that's stuff i'd like to do exactly um, the same because that just that just sounds like such an exciting and unique what an amazing thing to be able to say like oh They've got my likeness or my voice or, you know, my movements in a video game that people can play 50 years down the line and they'll still hear my voice on that or they'll listen to an audio book and they'll still be able to hear my voice on Audible, however it presents itself in that time. That's They feel like legacies that you can leave behind that will always be a part of you. So you'll never really be truly forgotten. And in many ways, I feel like as I'm getting older, isn't that kind of the point of life is to leave as much of a legacy as possible. Whether that be how your kids, you know, move forward when you're gone or however, you know, whatever you leave behind, you know, we all want to kind of leave behind something so we're remembered. Because mm. last thing you want to do is pass away and know that there is literally no memory of you other than a, a tombstone or a, an urn sitting somewhere that's not enough like for me i want to know that people 50 years down the line can go on youtube hyper or whatever the fuck it's called and just type in like random geezers talking about life on silent and a death machine or this bloke's mm -hmm. ranting about how much he hates AEW on something called wrestle plug you know you, you want to leave an identity and more and more i've noticed that our identities now are based on what we do digitally more than they are within the actual real world Mm -hmm. very much so very much in our line of work as well but no i want i want to do exactly the same and i'm kind of starting to do it myself <clears throat> so obviously i did my um my story over christmas my plan for next year is to i want to actually get it published so i want it properly 
um, illustrated. I want to be able to do a proper audio book of it. But I've even started, a friend of mine's writing a book at the moment and she's not too well. And so I just thought, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to record the audio book of it. She hasn't asked me to. And she's got people in her life that will be a hell of a lot better than it than me. But I'm just fucking doing it. For the sole reason, that, well, for the two reasons. One, because I think it'd be really nice for her. But two, being able to turn around and go, I've done this. I will do what you want as well. I'd love to be able to do it. And the amount of times that you guys have said that I've got a good voice for it, I don't think I have. I think I sound like a weird northern chipmunk. But people do think I have a good voice for shit like that. It Your radio sounds a good example of that. Like, it's very therapeutic for a lot of us. Like, I love it. Like, I love this. Not not only do I have the connection, of, oh, that's actually my friend on, on the radio, which is very cool. But it's your voice is, lends itself so beautifully to this kind of format. And this is why, like, when we listened to the Christmas story, which you can get at the end of our last audio podcast, it, it's one of those things where you're like, huh. Like, I, I feel like I know that's Mark. I know that's my friend. But I also feel like I'm listening to a genuine professional. You sound yes. like a professional. You have the quality voice that lends itself to that kind of field of work. And, you know, more and more I'm seeing people like Darcy Stone, the rest of it, she does um, voiceovers as well. And she's a good friend of mine. And, you know, I hear her and I think, yeah, it's amazing that you're doing it because you're my friend. But I can still listen. Like, I'm one of these people who can still tell you if I don't think it's very good or not. Whereas, yeah. like, this, the work you guys do is actually really, really good. Like, it's really high end. It sounds very professional. Your voices just sound so clean and crisp and they get across the you know they convey the kind of emotions of the story you're trying to tell that's where the real skill comes in when you talk on a platform of any kind of fashion where you're telling people stories you have to be a relatively eloquent human being not everyone has that ability a lot of people get scared of that and i'm kind of getting old now and i'm getting to that point where my anxieties just get washed away i'm like I don't care. Like, mm. you know, even if I'm anxious and like tough tits, get on because it's do or die for me. Um, I'm now at that age where I think, you know, I'm not ancient, but at the same time I realize that in twenty or thirty years' time I won't have the strength or passion to do it as much. I'd mm -hmm. like to think I would, but I also know that I'm a lazy shy who likes sitting there eating snacks and watching sports. So I'm trying to fill my time as best as possible and that's kind of why I've made the jump, finally bought a car, things like that. Because it's like that thing of like, all right, well, I don't have much money now. I'm back to being super, super poor because all my savings has gone into insurance, car, blah, blah, blah. But what's the alternative? Have a little bit of money saved away that never really does anything that you just that slowly whittles away anyway through bills or paying something a little bit more up front. And it's that old adage that you can always make more money, but you can't always make memories. Mm -hmm. um so that's why i've kind of just taken that plunge um and it that comes amazing how something as simple as buying a car when you haven't had a car for, so i've driven since 2012 i learned really late how to drive i passed my test at 27 in 2012 and so i've only been driving about 10 years but i wrote my car off a year and eight months ago so i haven't had a car in all that time i've been borrowing the x's whatever it might be and you know it's it's been difficult 
but I've kind of got used to that comfort of don't have to pay for insurance, don't have to pay for tax, don't have to pay for much petrol, don't have to pay for the car itself. And now it's like I'm back in that anxiety thing. I pick it up this Thursday and I've driven it. It seems fantastic. It's a lovely looking car. It's very practical as well as being quite luxurious for someone who doesn't have a great deal of money. It should last me a long time. But then you think you've got to buy it on finance. I've got to make sure I've got this amount of money. I'm already struggling. I'm not struggling for money, but you know, I, I'm only able to afford what I can afford right now. So this is like an expense that I've had to push my boundaries further out to accommodate. Mm. And it's that thing of like, oh, the amount of shit they drop on you as well. So nothing wrong with the dealership. They seem fantastic guys. They've got great pedigree, great reputation. They exclusively deal with Fords for the most part. And, you know, you go in there, you put your deposit down and then they're like right cool well we can only do three years so you have to pay extra like, okay well this is the perfect car i need to just fucking bite the bullet and go for it the added incentive is at least i'm only paying it off over three instead of five years so i mm -hmm. should be clear again much quicker plus it's flexible so you if i have a really good month i can throw another 400 out and get the payments down anyway so you have to look at the positives but then they say things like um would you like the extended warranties and it's that thing of like, probably would, yes, but it's like another £800 and it only lasts for two years. Mm -hmm. And you're sending me a car. It's only got 20,000 miles on it. It's been fully serviced, fully MOT, no fucking issues with it whatsoever as far as we're concerned. It's a diesel as well. So you know that that should last a lot longer than the average petrol car. So the idea of diesels is that they go and go and go. Um, and it's that thing of, no, I don't want to fucking buy that. And then they're like, ah, oh, would you like to buy the you know, the super upgraded gold polish service where we'll put a special coat, a special enamel on your cars. And then you think, shouldn't that be standard anyway? Should mm. you not stand when I buy a car off of you that's gonna cost me about 10 grand over three years, should you not do everything you can to ensure that that car stays as clean and as immaculate as possible, that it has all these added extras? No, because ultimately that's how they make their money and that's how they make their commissions. It's frustrating. And it's, I can see why so many more, I'm meeting more and more people, especially in the rest of the world, who don't drive. Mm. Because what's the fucking point? Because it's such an expense to them. But then we live in a society where, especially with my work, I just wouldn't be able to work at all without a car. With mm. a car, I can now go anywhere. Rest in society, no, this half I can ring me up at a moment's notice. Hey, can you do a show in Swindon? This? Yeah, sure, I've got a car. I'll be there. No car, it's like, let me have a look at the trains. Ah, oh, trains too expensive. Uh, and then your brain starts thinking, oh, just make an excuse not to go or whatever. Whereas now it's like, get in the fucking car and go to work, you lazy shite. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully the positives will be far stronger than the negatives, which are, oh, it's got to go in the shop for whatever. Or, oh, you know, I need a lift or blah, 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 because the fucking wheel's gone or whatever, which hopefully won't be the case. So, um, yeah, it's it's daunting. It's very daunting, even at this age. I'm like, oh, that makes me nervous. But then I imagine that's probably the same for people when they first buy a house and the mortgage. Oh, am I going to be able to afford my mortgage payments? Mm. Are these? Is this too expensive? My insurance, how much is that going to cost for whatever it is, your contents, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do you feel that when you, you know, when you buy a house, when you make big purchases, do you have that anxiety of, Holy shit, that's all my money. So now I've got to try and work even harder to, you know, reaccumulate said money. Oh, hells yes. It's it's fucking gutting the, those bits of adulthood that you need to go through. But it's it's a rule that I've made. I've 
made a rule that I've said it before. If I do something adult, I need to do something childish straight after. So I did. I bought the house. I, I bought the house that I'm in at the moment. And I went straight to Asda when I got the keys and bought a trampoline. Because I just needed that. I it's done. All of it is daunting. Any buying a car, you know, even sorting out a pension for fuck's sake. It's daunting because this is what you're doing for the rest of your life. You know, this is something for the future. You need to have that outlet where you can just settle yourself down a bit and go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be a kid for a bit. Well, stuff like this is very important because it's like a, a therapeutic conversation where I can <laughs> remind myself. That's why everyone has to go through, not just you. It's difficult sometimes when you're in your shell and when you're in your bubble, especially someone like me who lives a very isolated life, I'd probably say. You know, obviously the <laughs> thing is, fast forward a year, I'll probably be like, oh, this is the best decision I ever made. Mm -hmm. No, but you don't know that in that moment. But what they don't tell you when you're younger is that when you become an adult, when you have to do things like, for instance, you know, I, I don't own house, but I pay rent, I pay all my bills. You know, I have to work. It's much harder than people realize. I think they think, oh, he just sits on his fat ass in front of a laptop. It's like, to, to the most part, yes, but there's a lot of work that goes into that process. I'm constantly having to design and edit and, you know, all these different things. And people are messaging me every five minutes and ringing me up. Oi, I need this. Oi, I need that. And I'm like, Keep going, keep going. Um, but what they don't tell you is that when you start making the big decisions in life, uh, and I imagine this is multiplied tenfold when you have kids and things like that, is it's actually the joy. It's very difficult sometimes to focus on just the happiness of what that is. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you buying a house, the freedom, you own your own house, this incredible, that's an incredible thing. Now, I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to afford my own house. And, you know, that's okay. I've made peace with that. But I think, God, you know, same with even renting to a certain degree. It's like, all right, I'm paying somebody else's mortgage, essentially. But I have my own place. And mm -hmm. I have my own responsibilities. And I have my own bubble that I can do whatever I fucking please in within reason. And that's obviously intensified for you because it's your house. So you can think, do you know what? I'm going to paint the wall orange. Fuck mm -hmm. you. <laughs> but what they don't tell you is that all of those things, as great as they are, they all come with as equally as much daunting, anxiety, difficulties. Uh, you know, there are going to be months where, oh, shit, am I going to be able to afford to pay for the car this month? Oh, shit, can I pay my rent this month? Oh, shit, can I afford to fucking put dinner on the table? Shit, mm -hmm. I need more work to do this. I need more work to do that. And then that's intensified for me by being an independent trader because then it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm under more scrutiny. Because there is no thing of like, well, I know that I've got my nine to five job. That'll pay my thing. And I know that I have this budget. Whereas with me, the budget is all over the place. One month I might, um, could make nothing. Another month I could make three or four times the average wage. I don't know that though, uh, depending on what I do. And then you, you have to start making sacrifices. But on the upside, it's nice that I can make sacrifices like an adult. You know, I'm like, right, well... Netflix has got to fucking go, or you know, fucking. I, for instance, I pay fifteen pound a month for BT Sport. Well, that's gonna have to sling it. So, I'm gonna have to watch Raw illegally, whatever. They, like, you know, whatever needs must to make my life as professional but as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's amazing how much they don't tell you. When I was a kid, it all seemed so inconsequential, mm -hmm. and now I'm like, 
shit, man, I, te- I should be super excited. I'm picking up this gorgeous, sexy red Fiesta on Thursday, and it's going to be banging, and I can drive wherever. And then I'm off to Leeds this Saturday for Rise to make my debut. And, and like, yeah, those are great things, but then there's always that thing in the back of your mind of, ah, but what if the car breaks down as soon as you get it? Ah, what happens if you just drive out of the forecourt and smash it into some old lady, and then you go to prison? <laughs> your brain fucks with you on so many different levels and no amount of sertraline can truly quieten that down that's where you have to be an adult and that's where you have to get a real kind of cognizant hold of your own emotions i think it's okay breathe and if it goes wrong it's still okay until it's completely beyond repair it can always be fixed calm Mm -hmm. Calm. You need to bring calm. And that's, of course, where things like video games come in, where podcasts come in, where talking to your friends or games like. Don't let go of those things. Because if you do, there's nothing to quieten down the voice in your head that's saying, it's all going to go wrong. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's really terrible. And nobody tells you that when you're a kid, that those voices intensify and it gets worse and worse and worse. And being an adult is not easier. It's just a different kind of living. That's all it is. I've, I've told my kids that to, to embrace the child childishness. And not for the reason why, but they, they fucking need to. And I tell most people that I can. And it's for the that reason, because I've known adults who all they do now is adult. And they haven't found that bit of joy that's underneath. I can't that's talk that's... to those people, you know? Like, it's not that I dislike them or anything, but... I can't be around people like that because it makes me sadder. It makes mm. me, I, I've noticed that it is a detriment to my mental health. You know, I have people who sort of say to me, they'll make any excuse under the sun not to do anything fun. And then I don't have mm. to do it with me. But it's like, for instance, my mum, you know, she's in her 70s. She's an angry old woman. She's very unhappy. And she's like, oh, I, I can't go outdoors because I have all these cats to look after. So she is your atypical crazy cat lady. She has nine cats. It's like, you know, and it's like that thing of like, what's the fucking having cats then? Go outside and talk to someone. Can't do that. I haven't got time to do that. But then she'll sit there and play Candy Crush for three hours every night. Mm-hmm. So you have got time and you're retarded. Fuck you. Like, and it's it's that thing of like, my brain just thinks I, I don't want to be around those people because I'm worried that I might gain some of that. I don't want to be that person. I don't ever want to be that guy who says, sorry, can't make time or sorry, don't want to do this. When somebody messages me and says, hey, man, like if you come down to London, you're like, let's hook up, let's have a drink. I don't want to be that person who's like, oh, I'd love to, but I'm too anxious. Or, oh, no, I can't be bothered. Oh, I've got to look after the cat. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Make the time. You know, like, what is our life? It's nothing but memories. And then when it's gone, it's gone. Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe in any religion. I don't believe that when I die, I'm going to be ascended to heaven or burning out i'm just going to be a fucking rotting corpse in the ground or a load of shitty ashes in a fucking urn and that sounds really depressing in its own right but when you realize that and when you make peace with that then you realize you better fucking make hay while the sun shines pal so that's what i'm doing and it's that thing of like do you know what let's hope the car works out and if it doesn't tough tits it's another lesson to learn and we need to move forward because there is only two ways out the end or through that's Mm. how i've always looked at it so push through and keep pushing. If you're listening, keep fucking pushing. You're doing just fine. Don't fucking do it. <clears throat> you are fine. Everything is fine. Have we got any questions? We have. We have. How many? Um, well, I think Danny sent the same one twice. 
So Actually, I don't know why. He's um, Robbie sent one before New Year. It says, hey, guys, just wanted to say Merry Christmas. Hope, hope, uh, hope you both keep up the good work. Looking forward to seeing what you do next year. Merry Christmas at CPW. From or all CWP. <laughs> CWP, yes. Did he put CPW? Because that would be no, jokes. So he, he oh, I was going to say, that's his company, so he should it's my, know better. Um, it's my it's my reading. Um so cheers, Robbie. Cheers, potato. Uh love you. Tam there. Who's that guy? Uh Brown. Um he Oh is... right, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know anything about that. I, I, I must know. say you're looking you're looking suspiciously orange at the moment. You've been uh, spending a bit of time in Essex about me now. <laughs> no, it's my light. Hang on. Oh, there he goes. He's gone pale. Change it back to tangerine. <laughs> Better. Um, Tamir says, hope you had a good Christmas and New Year's. My question this week uh, is, would you, would either of you legally change your names? In the past, Aaron has says he hated his real name, so uh, that is what made me think of this question. Thanks, you lovely men, and continue the amazing work you both do. Cheers, Tam. Let just imply that I have a different name, Tam. See, we have a we have a running joke on uh, WrestlePlug where you don't use the A word, which is my real name, because we treat it like the N word as a joke. So what mm. we do is we actually censor it, and then people are like, what did he just say? And I have loads of people message me, go, did he, did he call you an N word? Did he say this? I'm like, no, call me my real name, scumbag. <laughs> just, just dumb fun. Um, See, I, I, I know you told me your real name, but I don't know your real name. It's really funny. Some of my closest friends in life now don't know my real name. The only mm-hmm. people who call me by my real name are ex-partners or my sisters. That's literally it. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, in a way, I feel like Aeronix is me. Mm-hmm. And people sort of hear that and they think, no, oh, he's fucking bought into his gimmick and all that. No, not really. I wanted a pseudonym for podcasts and things like that because I'm very... <laughs> Despite being out there a lot, there are some things I like to keep personal. You know, like mm. you'll notice I take the piss out of a lot of things, but one thing I certainly don't do is attack people's personal family members unless I know them personally as well. And then there's always a kind of thing of, look, if I'm too far, please say so and I apologize. But more often than not, I don't, I, you know, take the piss out of me. Don't fucking have a go at my family because that's, that's nothing to do with you. That's how I look at it. Like, I would never take the piss out of your kids, for instance, and I would not expect you to take the piss out of my sisters, for instance, especially as one of them's underage, for fuck's sake. Like, that's just, you know, for me, that's just, that's a no-no. Don't be attacking things that are underage. A life lesson for you, Tammy. <laughs> but, um, he doesn't know, attack. It's, it's an in-joke. <laughs> but, um, and it's an out-joke as well. It's one of those things where I really feel like I am Aaron X. I've created over the last six years a life and a business essentially based solely on that name. Mm-hmm. So for me, like I introduced myself as that and people were just like, you know, there is the odd time where people look at me and they're like, that's not your real name. And I'm just like, who says? In the same way. So we live in a society, don't we, where people say, you can be whatever you want to be. So mm-hmm. even though you might have been born as a man or a woman, you can identify how you feel inside. Why should that be any different for a name? So I look at it of, look, I'm at peace with what I am and I'm completely at peace with what you want to be. So if someone says to me, I don't like to be called she or her, I prefer to be called they, that's not a problem to me. I know that triggers some people for some unknown reason. doesn't bother me. I'm like, cool. That's because they can't. It is what it is. For me, I'm like, cool. That's your life. That's mm-hmm. how you do So when I say I'm here next, people are like, yeah, well, that's not your real name. It's no different. Like, 
Mm. It's how I like to identify. It's who I believe I am. And let's be honest, if you go into a multitude of different wrestling venues or anything in my profession and say Aaron X, people most likely will respond to that name. Whereas if you say my real name, people are like, what? Mm-hmm. Most people are like, that sounds like Egyptian Scrabble. I'm not, what's that mean? They, they don't have a clue. But I never hated my real name. But I always felt disconnected from it because of yeah. the bad life I had and all the difficulties. And as you know, I'm not a victim. I never really tell the sob stories and think, I'll just get on with it. But I really take pride in my name now because of what my little sister's been able to afford me. They've helped me truly reconnect. We joke all the time, oh, they're going to terrorize 9 11, blah, blah, blah. But realistically, I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm becoming more and more proud. My sisters are trying to teach me Arabic. They want to take me to Egypt. So I'm going there this year, hopefully. And, you know, I want to, I've set a new, a new dream. I want to run a wrestling show in Egypt. Cause that'd be amazing. Like for everyone involved, you know, this brings something different to the Middle Eastern world. Um, Cause they don't have access to that much unless you want to go to the big Saudi Arabia shows. And let's be honest, that's just one big fucking Nazi rally for WWE at this point. <laughs> so I want something that's honest and real, not like Dubai, not like Saudi Arabia, something that is truly, hey, here you go. We're not making really any money here. Um, we're just going to fly out. We're going to set up a ring and we're going to have a bit of fun and entertain you guys. And hopefully you enjoy it and you'll find a new medium that you'll enjoy. Um, my little sister's boyfriend, it's adorable that she has a boyfriend at age. You know, he's, he's lovely. He's a sweet little kid. And he's like, do you know John Cena? Like, not personally, but I've, you know, I've seen him at shows. He's like mind blown that I've actually gone to shows and seen these people because it's such a far-removed thing for his culture. Someone in Egypt, born in poverty, is not going to get a chance to see John Cena live or go and mm-hmm. see The Undertaker. Or things. And that's when you realise wrestling is more than just a lot of idiots in their pants. It's what it brings to people. It's what opens up their lives. And so all of this is associated with my real name within that culture. And mm-hmm. so I'm happy to keep it. But I still love what Aaron X is and what I've been able to achieve with that name. So... No, I don't want to change my name fully, um, but I'm also very proud of the fact that I've been able to create an entire life for myself with this name, Aaron X. And for people who don't get it, that's fine. You don't have to get it, but I need to get it. And it's for me. And mm-hmm. it's not for you. Um, and it's just a fucking name at the end of the day. I'm a human being. You should judge me based on what I am and my actions more so than what I'm called. And that should be the same for anyone with things like sexuality and that. If someone wants to be called they or whatever, then fucking call them they and suck it up and stop being a fucking baby about it. It doesn't matter. It, in the grand scheme of things, these things don't matter. You are a human being, flesh and blood, first and foremost. You are not a gay person. You are not an Arab person. You are not a black person. It's good to identify as those things. and It's good to show representation of your culture. But remember... When you strip everything away, you are a fucking human being. So remember that when you speak to other people. Yeah, you can't. Don't know why I've t- turned it into a TED talk. So no, I don't want to change my re- my real name, but I like who I am. And I believe Aaronix is as important a part of my life as my real name. Mm-hmm. I-, I see them as one of the same in many ways. It's fair enough. So, uh, I, you can change I don't mind my name. Silent Mark. I quite like my name, my real name. Um, I use silent mark as the outlet for what i do professionally um i've i've had to i I did a small show for a local station near me and they asked me to use my real name i thought all right fair enough i will do but having that disconnect between silent mark and me even though we're the same person having that disconnect is quite nice because it means i can go on radio and say what i want to and then go to work 
and not have the consequences of it. So I, I, I kind of like having that separation. Yeah, I do. And I, yeah, no, I just, you know, there's not really much else to add. I like the separation mm. and I like having a brand and I like the fact that my brand is ostensibly me. For instance, mm. um, you know, if you look at people who have different names online, how many people who watch this or listen to this probably have a favorite YouTube personality or whatever? Most of those people don't use their real name. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do, um, they have like a channel name, which is totally ostensibly different to what they're doing. Um, you know, for instance, I really like Gray Still Plays. That's not his name, but he has a great YouTube station where he just, you know, takes the piss and does dumb experiments with Sims 4 and video games and that. Mm-hmm. And it's that thing of that's a brand and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's also nothing wrong with making your brand part of your personal identity, especially if you put your whole life into it. People don't realize that I have literally poured my heart and soul and sacrificed everything into WrestlePlug and Aaron design. So why wouldn't I be proud of the name Aaron Why wouldn't I want to introduce myself as Aaron When I introduce myself as Aaron people go, Man, you're that WrestlePlug guy. You're that MC. You're that commentator. You're that wrestler. You're that podcaster. Mm-hmm. There's a multitude of different things. And they've all been born out of that name. That's where it all started was that name. And people did take the piss out of me at first. Like, you're like Aaron X, you're so and so, and you do this, and it's like you can be both. Mm-hmm. Not an issue. But again, you said it before when people were, you know, people knew you was that, and people know you was that. I was at um, when I first started on Diversity Radio, which is the radio station before I'm on now. I was there for two years before people even knew my surname. They just knew me as Silent. And, and for two years, they did not know my surname. It was amazing. But it's because that's because that's who you are. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're who, do you know what? You realise as you get older, you can be who you choose to be. Mm-hmm. And a name doesn't mean jack shit. Massively so. It doesn't mean jack shit. It might do for a passport or whatever. But, you know, the only time it really came up was when I got a concussion at wrestling training. A really bad one. And I lost all feeling on my shoulders. Arms went really numb, and I was freaking out. Oh, shit, I've broken my neck or something like that. And so they needed to give me proper CT scans. And I was on the Isle of Wight, never been to a hospital over there. And my trainer was brilliant, bless his heart, and took me there with his partner. And when they checked me in, he was so, you know, adamant my name was Aaron Nix. So he goes up and goes, Yeah, yeah, Aaron Nix. And they're just like, There's nobody called Aaron Nix on the phone. He's like, Well, that's, he's right there. And I was just like, I, I just remember saying to his partner, like, like in my wallet, like I couldn't move. And I was like, in my wallet is my driving license. And he, I just remember his face. He looked at him and, huh? It was mind blown at the concept of somebody totally. He's like, I never ever knew. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's because I don't choose to lean on it. I don't need to. Yeah. Not as important a part of my life until I'm within my culture and the representation of my people. And then all of a sudden it becomes more important because I share that second name with my sisters. And they're the most important thing I have in my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but when I'm away from them and when I'm away from family time, so to speak, for whatever reason, it is always there and next and it always will be. And if anyone has a problem with that, fuck off. Mm. <laughs> so, but I'm luckily for me, nobody does. So, but no, Tanvir, I will not be changing my real name as much. It has crossed my mind a couple of times, but also people don't realize a lot of faff in actually legally changing a name. You, you look at all the documentation you've got to change. Imagine oh yeah, you've got to change quite a bit. Yeah, you've got to change everything from your mm-hmm. driver's license, like your mortgage, for instance. You know, you've got to rename all your documentation and all that. Mm-hmm. Kind of 
right? It doesn't sound like a faff until you've got to sit. For instance, when you move house, when you have to sit down and fucking type in your new address to all these stupid little accounts mm-hmm. and change your Tesco club card, Amy, this is a ball ache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that one. Um, I'm changing my name to Jeffrey Von Big Dog. Yeah. Uh, that's my going to be my new name. And by association, mine will probably be something incredibly racially insensitive. Although some people might argue my real name is, because if you just said it on a whim, they'd be like, stop taking the piss out of yourself. Stop taking the piss out of yourself. No, that's actually my name. <laughs> Thank God it's not like my it. name. There's way too many of those. Um, cheers for that time there. Uh, we got the, our question. final one. It's a good question, which from our listeners is a fucking change. Um, Danny said, should the idea of intellectual property be banned in the field of medicine to stop brand names and uh, to stop brand names of basic medicines? Yes. Yes. I completely agree. What a great question. Yeah. And what a great concept. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. idea of intellectual property, which could potentially. So basically what essentially that means is you're monetizing people's abilities to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yep. Like when I when I hear when I see like um there was that guy I can't remember his name you're probably you're a bit more on the ball with that sort of stuff than me do you remember that guy who was um basically high pricing uh, I think it was asthma medication in America or whatever it might be it was like um it was diabetes yeah it was like it, it was, along those lines yeah and he bought the fucking, like that. yeah he bought the exclusive Wu Tang album because he could and he he yeah. basically was saying like because people were like we need this medicine badly and he was like yeah well I'm going to charge you four or five times what and bearing mm-hmm. in mind America already charges crazy subsidies for yeah. medication because they don't have private um public healthcare like we do they only have private mm-hmm. healthcare um that's why everyone was like Obamacare scum and I'm like really is it <laughs> fuck off I, this guy wanted to make healthcare affordable for people and he was mm-hmm. universally by Americans at least lambasted that's terrifying. That is yeah. terrifying. You can live in a culture and a country where people can say, you're trying to provide healthcare for poor people who can't afford it by private. You're a fucking scumbag. What? Oh, what kind of world do we live in? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, people who make intellectual property, that would be, for instance, for anyone who maybe doesn't understand, for instance, if I made, say I was a scientist and I stumbled upon the cure for asthma and then said, right, it's going to be called so-and-so, but I'm going to, make it an intellectual property so I can monetize it to suit how much, however much I want to charge for it instead of making it accessible for people so that they can live a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? That's a fucking fascist. That's a dictator. That's a scumbag is what that is. Don't do that. That's bad. Mm-hmm. And ostensibly, that's something that we should be clobbering Bill Gates for because he has monetized vaccinations quite a lot and people don't want to talk about that. He so, isn't involved with vaccination. He's not. He doesn't have any business thingy of vaccinations. He does. Like he actually does. Like if you like actually like this is the thing about Bill Gates. I'm not saying he's a horrible human being, but it's that thing of so what he does is he spends a lot of money on things like uh, medical research and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's his money. He can do whatever he wants with it. But he has actually kind of cornered a certain market on certain vaccinations that have been trialed in individual countries like India which have actually caused a lot of damage it depends how deep you want to research and stuff like that but it's that thing of nobody's truly a good human being and that's how I look at it and I see things like that and I'm like mm, okay they, you know for all the good he's doing don't do stuff like that but the bottom line is don't fucking monetize 
healthcare. Don't monetize yeah. the ability for people to be live a better quality of life. When I hear that people in America can't afford their insulin, I'm like, just give it to them now. Mm. They're like, it no, should no. be the law that um, doctors, nurses, and any type of hospital staff or any type of doctor staff should be funded by the government. And um, any medication or any procedures that save a life should be either free or, if you need to charge for it, done at cost. Yeah. There, there shouldn't be any fucking profit in the slightest. Have you seen how much, like, um, like for instance, uh, like I see wrestlers with GoFundMe pages in America a lot. So, mm. like, one wrestler, he broke his arm. Mm. And I think it cost him something like 12 grand in medical bills to get it all yeah. fixed. 12 grand for a broken arm, basically. Like, that's... So, so if somebody attacks you in the street in America, right, and beats you up, and you break something, and you then have to go to the hospital, you still have to pay... You still have to pay for that. Are you fucked if you get cancer? Oh, well, this is... I mean, the conspiracy theory is, isn't it, that um, American healthcare systems do as little as they can to cure it because they can monetize it as much as possible. Now, yeah. obviously, that depends on what hospital, what regulator. Um, my friend Michaela, actually, who did send some questions in via the um, Facebook page, um, she works in the healthcare sector. So she has, and she has said to me openly, it's <clears throat> it's not as cut and dry as you think. It's not as, you know, tinfoil hat as crazy, but there are places where the treatment has been severely monetized. To yeah. the point where you think, holy shit, they're actually putting you through more chemo than possibly you need to solely because they can make more money from that process. That's a terrifying fucking world to live in. Oh, it's scary as fuck. So one of the reasons why, as much as I love America and I have so many dear friends there, I don't think I could ever live in that culture. The idea that I have to pay $80 per prescription, and it's not like, you know, they don't give you six months worth. They give you like one strip, and that's $80. Yeah. Fuck! <laughs> I mean, Imagine paying 60 quid for your prescription. Yeah. We wouldn't be able to live. It's we fucking wouldn't be able to live. Yeah. And by the way, the insurance things that a lot of these companies give only pays a certain percentage. It doesn't pay all of it. People forget mm -hmm. that. Haunting. Very. Fucking very. Where did she send messages to? Uh to the Facebook page. <laughs> I haven't got it. All right. Let me check, ladies and gentlemen. So <clears throat> Let's head to the so by the way, um, you can send your questions into the silent and the death machine Facebook page and of course the Twitter as well, which is at S and DM pod. Um, and you can find the Facebook page, it's simply called the silent and death machine podcast. Uh, so she sent her questions into the messenger for Facebook. Um, nice. do you believe in magic? Silent Mark was her first question. Do I believe in magic? In what way? So do you do you think magic is real or do you think it is all just sleight of hand and all just basically nonsense? Oh, so yeah, but ma stage magic, sleight of hand, all mm -hmm. sleight of hand. Is there such thing as magic? That is a deep conversation. You could say it's coincidence. You could say it's fate. You could say all sorts of stuff like that. But it's a big question. As for normal magic, I absolutely adore magic. Properly fucking adore it. It's a great bit of showmanship. Yeah. I, I try and do bits occasionally. I know of a, a couple of magic tricks. Um, I've been to see magicians fucking loads. One time I actually wanted to start a stand-up show. I did. No, I did. Fucking did. I started a stand-up show with a magic trick where I um, basically asked someone to pick a card. They picked the card. 
I told them to show the audience. They did that. I went, no, show the audience. And they did that again. I went, no, individually. So I made him walk around the entire audience fucking showing the card to everyone. And then the punchline of that joke is he comes up, he puts the card back in the deck, I get it wrong and tell him to sit back down. <laughs> That's just a shit house for his one, isn't it? Yeah, I, I fucking loved it. Well, I was hoping it was kind of like a series of questions, but it's actually her sort of sending her own sort of poetry, really. So it says, do you believe in magic in a young girl's heart that the music could free her when I ask you, when will it start? Is that only magic if the music is groovy? If it only is it only magic if it reminds you of an old town movie? Please tell me about magic, how it might free my soul. Tell me, dear stranger, all about rock and roll. It's fair enough. Any idea what song that's from? That must be from a song, surely. Buck knows. Yeah, I'm gonna have to Google that. So I that's, liked it. That's though. Michaela in a nutshell. She's out there. I liked it though. Thanks, Michaela. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Nice tits, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, talking, about, yeah, I was talking about Mark. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. How about that stream last night of you on radio? <laughs> that was someone else, wasn't it? <clears throat> Bunch of reprobates, fucking all here. <laughs> uh, you've got some wonderful friends, by the way. They all seem really funny. Um, yeah, Hannah and Nikki and people like that. And obviously, me and Frankie are in there being idiots. It was fun. Um, but your radio show is really good. I really recommend people check it out. That's Another fun. Monday evening show. Uh, every Monday, 7 till 9 on Beyond Radio. Really worth I'm... checking out. If you've got uh, an Amazon Echo, you can actually ask it just to play Beyond Radio and it will, and it will play the live show if you've got yeah. a tuning tied into it, which I have. And it's great. It's lovely. I can put it on. Um, but it was a cool idea, actually, having a live stream with you mm. on the phone at the time. It was very clever. I've done it every so often. Um, and some weeks it goes like it did yesterday, which was brilliant. Some weeks it's fucking dead and it's just me talking to myself. So it's a bit it, available, it, doesn't it? Yeah, no. it goes up and down with it. But yeah, I fucking I love the show I did. Absolutely love it. The music I played yesterday, absolutely adored. Because I did um just tracks from 2022 that I'd heard first and so the, the the first time I heard it was in 2022, and I, I fucking loved every single track I played. It, it, it was good. Anything else you want to talk about, bud? I've got nothing today. I'm I'm yeah. dead. Yeah, I just want to talk about the anxiety in my car, really, and also I really enjoyed the chat about video games, but we are back for the new we year. Are. We are. So, um questions it's lovely they're they're one of my favorite parts of the show so if you have questions the email is on the screen if you're watching this on youtube it's available in the description but it's also on the screen up here um so check it out it's silent at gmail.com or it's s and dm pod on twitter and of course it's the silent and death machine podcast on facebook as well send them in however you like um it's very cool um we have access to the email as well mark particularly is very good at perusing the email and getting your questions so so, I mean, not just questions as well. If you've got uh, something you want to voice on, send it in. You can be anonymous as well. Just say in the email, I'd like to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we won't we won't mention your name. We uh, respect people's privacy here. Uh, and also, if you just want to wax lyrical or some of these fucking wound you up, some dickhead at work's pissed you off and you just want to vent and get it out of your system and make yourself feel better, do okay. that too. Because we all need that sometimes. We're basically creepy agony uncles. That's the thing. Yeah, we are. You're creepy. Yeah. I'm more just explosively temperamental. Mate, you're Arab. You can't say explosive. I said explosively. Yeah, still. It's a... Have you heard 
there's a podcast I really like, and they do this really funny joke every single time, where every time someone says a word like explosively or responsibly, they make it, basically it's a really racist joke about the Chinese, and they go, ah, explosively, he always blowing up. That is stupid. And it's, for some reason, I find it really funny. And there was a, for about a year on a WrestleFlug, this used to haunt poor Dexter, my American friend, who's such a lovely soul, he's McKay's partner. And um, he'd just be like, well, basically, I'm like, ah, oh, basically, the simplest friend we have. And he'd be like, stop fucking doing it. It's just stupid fun. I'm sure the Chinese would be like, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> but, fucking wrongins, all of yeah, you. We are. We're all reprobates. We're all scum. But at least we're honest about it. At least we own it and we don't pretend like we're anything else. Um, if anyone wants to come and see me, if you're in the Leeds area, I will be at Rise this Saturday for the Rise Rumble. It's sold out free. Hundred all standing for a Royal Rumble for Rise, an amazing. By the way, Shreddy, who we uh, met at uh, Coliseums on the show, very excited to see him Good again. Uh, there's a number of great G Money, Amir Jordan, which is obviously very exciting for somebody like me. Similar mm-hmm. culture, similar kind of background and things like that. A lot of great, great talents. Obviously, Leonardo Darwin will be on the show. Uh, Brett Semtex, a number of incredible talents. Saxon Huxley was on the last uh, Coliseum show, so. Yeah, very difficult to get a ticket, obviously, because it is technically sold out. But I'm sure if you speak to the right person, they might be able to squeeze you in. So if you ask very, very nicely. Dirty. I always need a spare cameraman. So if anyone wants to come along and help me out with cameras, they are more than welcome to do so. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a banging show. Really looking forward to it. It's my Rise debut. Um, Yeah, hell of a drive up to Leeds. But obviously, you know, you got to... You got to break boundaries, don't you? You got to make memories, and that's the first thing to do. So that'll be a test. If the car's fine for that, then I know that it's good. Yeah, you'll be fine. Um, you will be fine. Um, until next week, then. Yes. We we love you all very much. Um, and and thank you, and do nice things. Yeah, do nice things. Uh, hopefully, you all had a great Happy New Year and a great holiday, however you choose to celebrate it. Uh, and most importantly, have a bit of fun. Don't forget to have some fun. Because life's very serious a lot of the time. So find the funnies, I believe, is what Stephen K. Amos told me once. He said, try and yes. find the funnies. And uh, mm-hmm. he's absolutely right. Find the funnies. Find that enjoyment. And if there's an opportunity to have a coffee or a drink with a friend and just chat or ask them how they are, take that opportunity because it means the world for people. It really does. Fucking do it, you bastards. Fucking do it. You understand me? I'm going to bitch slap all of you. And if your name's Brian, fuck you, pal. This way, right. This year... If you guys don't fucking start enjoying yourselves, I'm going to come round and I'm going to slap every single one of you. I'm going to teabag you while he slaps you. And I'm going to then going to put my finger in your bum and try and work you like a finger puppet. Yeah, all the while while I'm rubbing my big, salty, hairy arrow balls in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't shave them. Why should I? Imagine his, imagine his beard, but on balls. Do you know what? I'm pretty, my pubes are so much lighter than my beard. It's very strange. Well, they don't weigh as much. No. Also, I dye them. I have often been tempted to dye my pubic hair. No, I do dye my beard from time to time, but less and less now because I just own it. I'm like, whatever. There's only so much dye that can cover the grey. Like, it's getting old, isn't it? I'm getting bits of grey. 
It depends on what I'm doing. If I'm on a show and I know I'm going to be on camera, for instance, the commentary, I'll try and make myself look presentable. I think it's more for that. Um, but less and less do I care. I used to be like really panicky about it and dye my beard all the time. Obviously, I don't have any hair, so I have to work well. I do have hair, but like it just grows, you know, classic fucking Laurel style. And I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, like that, basically. Yeah. So I'd rather just shave it and be done with it. Um, but yeah, no, each to their own. Um, but yeah, no, I um, I try and keep my pubes in relative order, but my asshole, that is a magic carpet. I, I don't trust myself to shave that. And no, that's why I've asked you to do it. I'm not going near it. You can wax my bum hole if you want. No, I'm all right. I thought you said, you know, find the funnies, man. Come on. Unless you're mistaking we'll do it for the word dingleberries for funnies, I'm not finding shit. Nah, Maltesers, mate. I can imagine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, now get fucked all of you. Go on. Go on fuck her off. <laughs> Have a great week. And don't forget, every every Wednesday we drop this podcast. We record it every Tuesday night. So get your questions in before then. And of course, Monday, don't forget, Beyond Radio, sign of Mark, 7 till 9 p.m. While he's flipping you all off. And then do wrestle plug on a Thursday. Yeah, silent. Yeah, silent. No, uh, state of my wait. It was state of minority address last week because it was just me and Tanvir, but it's normally state of wrestling address. Um, so yeah, if you if you are a wrestling fan and want to check that out, do so. There's loads of content, loads of watch alongs as well. We've got shitloads that are all backed up now, so they're all dropping rapidly. So check those out. Where me and a list of hilarious friends watch the world's worst and stupidest wrestling. Check that out. Have a good day. Bye. Fuck you. Be nice to our audience. Yeah, just wind up if you want. This an IQ. I'll tickle test. it. You can use your middle finger, right? Yeah. It's longer. Yeah. Gets further up. That's yeah, quite a long middle finger. Thanks. Yes. Yeah, mine's quite like small by comparison. Yeah, but yours I've got is very thicker. small hands for a guy. Yours is thicker though. I've got yeah. thin hands. Yeah, I got old sausage fingers, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Chipolatas. This year we've got to learn how to stop a podcast. No. Nah. <laughs>